0: With you today, and if you would uh, open your Bibles or Bible apps, however you prefer, we're going to be in Revelation chapter 21 this morning. Uh, what we see is, um, what began in a garden now ends in a magnificent and eternal city. Just when we thought the end was here, we see a new beginning. God has brought everything to completion. Now remember all that has led up to this point here in Revelation 21. Seven seals were opened on a scroll that only the Lamb could open. Each seal bringing its own layer of judgment. We have seen multitudes in heaven. The sealed of Israel, 144,000, and the believers who trusted in the two witnesses' message of the gospel There were seven trumpets bringing their own levels of judgment. Mighty and majestic angels that words cannot fully describe. Each one adding a piece of the finale with with announcements and commands of their own. The two witnesses came with incredible signs. They were killed and then raised to life. You might recall the woman, the child, and the dragon in chapter chapter 12. It retells the the age-old story of good versus evil. But most importantly, it retold the story of redemption and the story of the gospel. This led to the terrible trio, the evil trinity made up of Satan, the Antichrist, and the false prophet. And just when it seemed like evil was going to overtake the momentum and win, God stepped in and told them, You cannot go any further than the boundaries I have set. We've seen Babylon, the city that represents the evil trio's evil religious system that stands in rebellion, an intoxicated, pleasure-seeking, no-need-or-want-for-God type of life. It falls. It's thrown into the sea, never to be found again. God wins. Satan loses the judgment seat of Christ, believers' works will be judged and given rewards. And at the great white throne judgment, unbelievers will be judged and condemned. And all things, say all things, all things will be made new. If you're able to stand out of respect for the word of God, let's read Revelation 21, 1 through 8. Hear the word of the Lord. Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Also there was no more sea. Then I, John, saw the holy city, new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, And he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. And he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give of the fountain of water of life freely to him who thirsts. He who overcomes shall inherit all things. And I will be his God. And he shall be my son. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. Thank you. You can have a seat. All things will be made new. A new heaven a new earth, promised by the, the, the prophet Isaiah in Isaiah sixty five seventeen. he wrote this, Behold, I create new heavens and new earth. The former things will not be remembered or come to mind. See, this earth that we live in, it has been tainted by sin. It will be no more. We have seen that the old heaven has Satan's footprints in it. It will be made new. What Peter described as a cleansing and renewal by fire in Second Peter 3 is now fulfilled. Those written of in Hebrews 11, the Faith Hall of Fame, they all had one thing in common. They were strangers on this earth and they waited for the day described right here in Revelation 21. That word new has been defined as new in character, recently made fresh. Genesis 1.1, God created the heavens and the earth. In Revelation 21.1, God creates a new heaven and a new earth. In Genesis 1.10, God created the seas. In Revelation 21.1, the seas are no more. This earth that we are used to being made up of 75% water, it will be no more. All things, say all things, all things will be made new. First we see a new city first blank on your outline a new city of Jerusalem the Hebrews eleven ten tells us has been waited for since Abraham what Abraham waited for has been made new a city with foundations made by God this city is described as holy later in the chapter sin's effects have been removed it's it's the city that John's gospel described Jesus as leaving this earth to go and prepare a place for us a city with many mansions. A city described as a beautiful as a bride adorned for her husband on their wedding day. This city will be well populated but not overcrowded. And the most important part is, this is the city where God dwells. Throughout human history, there have been glimpses of the presence of God. He walked with Adam and Eve in the garden. He dwelt in the tabernacle and then in the temple until sin caused him to depart. In Jesus, God became flesh and dwelt among us through the Holy Spirit. He now lives within us. But all of these have been limited by the former things. People were not able to experience them fully because of sin. And while those of us who have trusted in him are saved, we have absolutely no idea the glory that awaits for us in this new city. Notice next the citizens of this city. The citizens will be made new. It's a place where, verse 4 tells us, God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain. The former things have passed away. And Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things. Say all things. All things new, and he said to me, write, for these words are true and faithful. See, death entered human history in Genesis 3.19. In Revelation 21.4, death is no more. All the effects of sin are described as dead. They are passed away, but death is no more. Verse 6, he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give the fountain of water of life freely to him who thirsts. Now we have seen this name, Alpha and Omega, in our study already in Revelation. The beginning and the end, the A to Z and everything in between. And just like the English language doesn't need a 27th letter, neither does God lack or need anything in this heavenly city. His sufficiency is on display as the centerpiece of heaven. Verse 7, he who overcomes shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. And in case we forgot, we will overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. Now verse 8 takes a shift, and he, it, it speaks of those who have been overcome by sin. Notice what it says. But the cowardly, that's a word that describes those who would not stand up for Jesus. The unbelieving. Abominable, that means uh, polluted by sin in mind, body, and spirit. Murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, all liars, shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. My church, there are, there are similar lists throughout the New Testament of people who have been overcome by sin. In Revelation 21.8, it speaks of their ultimate f- future. Their ultimate fate. It is hell for all eternity. But ever since I discovered it, I have loved 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11. It's one of those similar lists, but in context, it speaks to us here today, now. Notice what it says. Verse 9, 1 Corinthians 6. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? So again, a similar list. Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. But here is the encouraging part. And such were some of you. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified. In the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God, we will overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. And church, we continue to pray for those that we know in our lives that would be a part of this list, but hear the grace. So were some of you, but you've been washed, you've been sanctified, you've been justified. And so that tells us, whatever you've done, wherever you've been, today Jesus still offers grace so that Revelation 21.8 doesn't have to describe your future. Citizens of this new city are gods. They belong to him. They no longer ex- experience death or tears or pain because God has taken away all the effects of of sin. They'll receive an incredible inheritance. They overcame by the blood of the lamb, and as if that wasn't enough, God's word goes on to describe number two on your outline, the second one, the hope of the new city. The hope of the new city. Let's pick it up in verse nine. Then one of the seven angels who had seven bowls filled with the seven plagues came to me and talked with me, saying, come and I will show you the bride of The Lamb's wife. And he carried me away in the Spirit to a great and high mountain and showed me the great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God, having the glory of God. Her light was like a most precious stone, like jasper stone, clear as crystal. And she had a great high wall with twelve gates and twelve angels at the gates and names written on them, which are the names of the twelve tribes of the children of Israel. Three gates on the east, three gates on the north three gates on the south, and three gates on the west. Now bear with me as we read these next verses. Now the wall of the city had twelve foundations, and on them were the names of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. And he who talked with me had a a gold reed to measure the city, its gates and its walls. The city is laid out as a square. Its length is as great as its breadth. And he measured the city with the reed, twelve thousand furlongs. Its length, breadth, and height are equal. And then he measured its walls, 144 cubits, according to the measure of a man, that is of an angel. The construction of its walls was of jasper, and the city was pure gold like clear glass. The foundations of the wall of the city were adorned with all kinds of precious stones. The first foundation was jasper, the second sapphire, the third chalcedony, the fourth emerald, the fifth sardonyx, the sixth sardius, the seventh chrysolite, the eighth beryl, the ninth topaz, the tenth Crystal praise, the 11th jacinth, the 12th amethyst. The 12 gates were 12 pearls. Each individual gate was one pearl, and the street of the city was pure gold, like transparent glass. So John wrote here in a way that the original readers would have understood. We don't build walled cities anymore. But we can understand these 12 foundations in verses 11 and 19 to communicate the permanence of the new city. You can write that down. The permanence of the new city. And the gates and walls in verses 15 and following to communicate protection of the new city. When you add to that angels guarding at every gate, what comfort this would have brought to the people who were tempted to live in fear of everything going on in the world around them. Sounds kind of familiar, doesn't it? A people tempted to live in fear with everything going on in the world around them. We will see later in the chapter, these gates will never close because there is no threat of anyone ever breaching the city. They open to the new earth, probably much like the original earth, but this time without the chance of sin. This capital city, this new Jerusalem will be most magnificent. Church, don't we know that Satan would love to tempt us To live in fear of all that's going on in the world around us. There's a lot that could. We could be afraid of a whole lot of different things. But the same hope lies ahead of us. The living hope that we sing about this morning of Jesus Christ. This world is not our home. This world is not permanent. It does not offer ultimate protection and so we press on we hold fast and by faith we believe that one of these days we will be able to walk through those pearly gates and touch the streets of gold and see the the brilliant walls of colors across the color spectrum and drink from the river of life admiring the creativity and beauty of our creator and worshiping the lamb and permanently protected by our awesome god I heard it said not too long ago. The next blank's on your outline. Fear makes faith that much more appealing. See, when, when all the world around us is afraid of what is to come, our faith becomes that much more appealing. Because as believers, we do not have to live in fear. This is the hope of the city that God will make new. Notice the vastness of the city. If we take a cubit to be 18 inches, then the walls are 216 feet high, roughly seven times as tall as the peak of this building. Depending on exactly how much a furlong is, uh, the the cubicle city is roughly 1,400 to 1,500 miles on each side. That's about the same distance from here to Phoenix, Arizona, 1.96 million square miles the old song from Audio Adrenaline, it's a big, big house with lots and lots of rooms. These are understatements, but it is big. It is beautiful. And so we've seen what the citizens look like. We've seen what the hope of this new city is. Next, we see the glory. The glory of this new city. Let's pick it up in verse 22. But I saw no temple in it. For the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The city had no need of sun or moon to shine, for the glory of God illuminated it. The Lamb is its light. And the nations of those who are saved shall walk in its light. And the kings of the earth bring their glory and honor into it. Its gates shall not be shut at all by day. There shall be no night there. And they shall bring the glory of the honor and the honor of the nations into it. But there shall be by no means enter anything that defiles or causes an abomination or a lie. But only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. Notice several things are missing in this new city. There is no temple. There's no temple. Because no temple can contain God. He doesn't need one. Because what will happen in this new city is what should happen, is <laughs> what is happening in heaven right now. God will be worshipped, God will be in His rightful place, the Lamb will be worshipped, the Lamb will be in His rightful place, and so there is no need of a temple. There is no sun or moon, the next blank, there's no sun. In Genesis one God created the sun, in verse 23 here, there is no need for it. Because God's glory lights up everything. Think how bright His glory would have to be to light up a 1.96 million square mile city. And even beyond that, to the, to the earth outside. It's Pretty bright. Now consider all of those gemstones that we mentioned earlier. The thing about gemstones, they, they reflect light. That's what makes them so attractive. So when you put God in the midst of those, imagine the light of God's glory reflecting on all these beautiful gemstones. It will be a light show like no other. There are no locks on the gates because there's no chance of an attack. His will is being done in this new earth and this new city and this new heaven as it is in heaven. Because he makes all things new. Say all things. All things new. Things that are missing in this city. They only magnify the glory of the city and the awesomeness of our God and the Lamb. Notice the kings of this new earth. They bring their glory and honor into the city. Suggesting what we've seen before. The government of God who will rule justly. Just like God wants to. It was a common practice in ancient, ancient times for kings of smaller kingdoms to come in and honor kings of greater kingdoms. Here, they bring glory and honor to the king of kings. Look at chapter 22. He showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding from the throne of God and of the Lamb. In the middle of its street, And on either side of the river was the tree of life, which bore twelve fruits, each tree yielding its fruit every month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations, and there will be no more curse. But the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and His servants shall serve Him. They shall see His face, and His name shall be on their foreheads. There shall be no night there. They need no lamp nor light of the sun, for the Lord God gives them light. And they shall reign forever and ever. Picture the serene scene. It's reminiscent of the Garden of Eden. We're told there were four rivers there. There's only one here. It is pure. Its water is life. Its source is the very throne of God and the Lamb. The tree of life is there. The same one that was deemed inaccessible by sin. Now it yields a different fruit every month. Indicating the variety of eternity. And possibly the most amazing statement in all of this is right there in verse 3. And there shall be no more curse. Genesis 3.14, God announced the curse because of sin. In Revelation 22.3, there is no more curse. Every struggle Every pain, every sickness, every disappointment. They're all a result of the curse, which is a result of sin. Sin always leads to brokenness. But one day, that curse will be broken. No more struggle, no more pain, no more sickness, no more tears, no more death, no more disappointment. It will be all good all the time. Verse 3 again. There shall be no more curse. But the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and His servants shall serve Him. They shall see His face, and His name shall be on their foreheads. There shall be no night there. They need no lamp, nor light of the sun, for the Lord God gives them light, and they shall reign forever and ever. This is exactly what eternity looks like. It's people serving the awesome God perfectly. No longer handicapped by anything. Reigning with him perfectly. No longer distracted by anything. And all things, say all things. All things will be made new. And every promise will be fulfilled. You just bow your heads and close your eyes. I'm going to read Ephesians 2. And in light of what we've seen here in Revelation, let it speak to your heart. But God, who is rich in mercy, and because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved. And we should walk in them. Where's your heart this morning, church? Friends? Do you remember a time trusted in what Jesus did on the cross to pay for your sins? And you surrendered your life to Him? Because that's the most important thing here, if you haven't. God offers the grace of eternal life to you. And today could be the day of salvation. There may be some here who, who just aren't living like it. You'd say, yes, I, I remember a time when I trusted in Jesus, but I'm really not living like it. Maybe today's the day that you turn back to him and find his arms open wide and start living for him like you should have been all along. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. When you hear that, what has God called you to? What are the good works? What do you need to do to get back to those? We always like to answer two questions at this time. What has God said to you through his word? And what are you going to do about it? We know that we still need to continue to pray for those in our in our lives that we know that just are running from the Lord and while we we believe that God hears us wherever we are we want to open the altar this morning you come and there's something about coming to an old-fashioned altar just leaving that at his feet communicates a trust maybe you need to do that maybe you have other burdens. come as God leads. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Would you stand?